And the passage that's often cited is Paul's thorn in the side, and he asked to have it taken away, and God said, no, my grace is sufficient. And so I, I was quoted that quite a bit. And my reaction to that was, that was Paul's answer. Right. Paul got an answer. I want my answer. And right. if God said that to Paul, it doesn't mean he's saying it to me. He might be, but he has to tell me. That's Paul's answer. That means I can get an answer too. And that became the focus. So it was this constant kind of dialogue with the scriptures and God about, okay, but, and you said this, and you said this there, and you said this here. And so what about me? How does that, what are you going to tell me? Hello, and welcome to the Connectedness Podcast. Just as you might have guessed, I talk about connection and connectedness on this podcast, our connection with everything in the world around us. Whether you see it or not, we're all connected, and it doesn't matter if it's our dog, our cat, our God, our body, and I'll also talk about some more abstract connections like our career or our land, our community, our emotions, your body. Life is all about connection, so the sooner we recognize that, the sooner we can have an easier, more meaningful life. I will talk about these connections through different lenses, things like synchronicities and coincidences, or just everyday little bits of magic and miracles that we, we usually dismiss. It's really important that we pay attention to all of this so we can live an easier, more meaningful life. So welcome to the show. I'm your host, Karen Cleveland. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm really excited today. I have a guest. We're going to talk about some personal transformation through forgiveness and anger issues and recognizing spiritual roots of physical and emotional symptoms. So let me introduce her. So in European cloisters and Costa Rica's rainforest, Pat Butler envisions a world where every Christ follower flourishes in the abundant life Jesus promised. To do, she has partnered with Inspire Arts Alliance and Greater Europe Mission, cultivating a global network of artists through writing, mentoring, and spiritual formation. Currently a full-time author, Pat resides in South Florida, where she walks with cranes, dodges hurricanes, and enjoys her own pillow, which I fully appreciate. Welcome <laughs> to the show, Pat. Thank you, Karen. Yeah. Nothing like one's own pillow, right? Oh, I know. I would take it everywhere if I could. Yeah. So I really would love to talk about your newly released book, Collision, where you talk about healing and deliverance. And I know it's a, a type of memoir about a personal mm -hmm. car accident and what's happened since then. So can you tell us about that story? Yeah, sure. The story begins in 1985. So it's a long story, but the nuggets are, I thought I'd break it down as an external story and an internal one. So the external is the facts of the accident. I was driving to a work assignment and I, I lived in Hartford, Connecticut at Connecticut, the time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I was 33. I was living large. I kind of was coming into my own in adulthood with a good job good circle of friends, love the city, just kind of loving my life. On the way to this work assignment, I have this accident. So I was rear-ended. It was a hard hit on impact. The car seat broke off and I was flung backward, but my knees caught on the steering wheel. So all, like every muscle and tendon and everything was just ripped all the way up my body into oh my, my jaw. Oh my gosh. I could feel that. 
And oh um, I lost control of the car. I'm flying down the street, just saying, God, don't let me hit anybody or a tree or a child. You just, you're out of control. And so anyway, I, the car eventually stopped. I ended up in the ER, spinal trauma injuries. And you don't know anything at that point, right? First of all, you're in shock from the accident. And you're sitting in a gurney in an ER wondering when somebody's going to actually see you yeah. for hours. And I was just praying, God, do not let me be paralyzed. I don't even know how I'm injured. I was dazed. I, I couldn't think properly, but I just had those primal prayers. God, help me. Heal me. Whatever's wrong, fix it. Help me. What time is it? When am I going to be seen? Just, it was like that for hours. And and that that was the story that led to the 12 year quest for healing, which collision records. So that's the before and during kind of, and then the after is the, it was a 12 year journey, but of course I didn't know that at the time I was completely focused on get better, get back to normal as fast as possible. The, I left the hospital with the neck brace, the painkillers, the drugs, all the drugs, And about 24 hours later, the shock wore off and the pain set in. And it was just flat on my back, nailed to the bed, screaming pain for days, weeks on end. And then they were turning into months. So it was that coping with a level of pain that it it was paralyzing. Oh, my God. All the time, just praying for healing. You had a support system with you at the time, like physical support, someone to help you? Someone to help me. Yeah, I had a roommate who really, above and beyond duty, yeah, took care of everything. She was awesome. She's mentioned in the book, my sidekick. I I was plugged into a church. They were a support group on that end. My employer was very encouraging, told me just take as long as you need, file for disability so you can get some income. Right away. Yeah. yeah, I had a good support team. Thank God. Yeah. Right. I had a call that the business appointment, I had to call that person like the next day and say, I didn't show up because, and oh, right. she recommended her lawyer and her doctor. So I actually used her lawyer and the orthopedic surgeon that she had. So yeah, it was great how that flowed. I should mention in, I was living in Connecticut at the time. Uh-huh. If there's personal injury in an accident, a lawsuit is automatically filed for personal injury. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. But that became another whole journey. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. So you're laying there in pain for months on end. Yeah. What, how did you get through that? What, I mean, I can't even imagine what that feels like. Yeah. Mentally, spiritually. And physically, of course. Right, on every level. Yeah, I think the main things were music, listen to a lot of music, and the effort to get up even. It was hard to even get up and get breakfast. It would take me, like I would soak in a hot tub for a long time. I would put hot packs on and try to, I couldn't really do stretches or anything, but just try to like get everything moving enough to get up out of bed, take a shower, a wow. bath, something, get the muscles loosened up, take the painkillers, get breakfast, go back to bed, get up for lunch. <laughs> and the 
because the the drugs, first of all, the drugs are knocking me out. So for a couple of weeks, I was just sleeping it off, off the drugs all the time. And then trying to get up and eat and take a hot bath, <laughs> do those oh, kinds of things. So it was real basic for a few weeks. And then it became a little bit easier in the sense of the drugs were taking effect. They were taking the edge off so I could get up and do those things a little more easily. Then it became a matter of managing the boredom because mm. I, I did have to sometimes just lay flat so I couldn't read a book or watch TV. And right. and we you like laying there staring at the ceiling for days. And that became prayer. That just became interacting with God about what's happening, what's going to happen, all the questions, all the doubts. Remembering what I knew. I was a student of the Bible at that point, very heavily. I had begun reading when I was in high school. And just I had enough that I could pull things forward from memory that okay. I would say, you said this. So what about me? Oh. You healed these people. What about me? Right. Why aren't you? Or what are you? Like, I don't know about you, but I was raised Catholic. I believe you were too yeah, from listening too. to your podcast. Yeah. yeah. So you have a kind of mindset, right, about healing. And mine was, okay, we know God does miracles and he did these things and he does these things occasionally, but basically it's your cross to bear. It's your thorn in the side or whatever. It's something to refine you and his grace is sufficient for you to endure this. And I heard all that and I knew all that, but I'm thinking, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but. Right. Right. I don't know. But what yeah, about me? Exactly. And, what about and, me? Yeah. Yeah. And the passage that's often cited is Paul's thorn in the side, and he asked to have it taken away. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient. And so I, I was quoted that quite a bit. And my reaction to that was, that was Paul's answer. Right. Paul got an answer. I want my answer. And right. if God said that to Paul, it doesn't mean he's saying it to me. He might be, but he has to tell me. That's Paul's answer. That means I can get an answer too. And that became the focus. So it was this constant kind of dialogue with the scriptures and God about, okay, but, and you said this, and you said this there, and you said this here. And so what about me? How does that, what are you going to tell me? And when right. are you going to tell me? And I never felt he said no to healing. That's the thing that kept me going. Okay. I didn't hear a yes, but I didn't hear a no. Yeah. So you still had hope. So I kept going. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so you said this was a 12-year journey. How did the events of this accident prepare you for a healing that came years later? The pivot point was in about two years down the road. I had discovered chiropractic, which got me much more functional. Okay. But it it didn't. I don't think it lasted more than a day before I was back in the pain. I was trying to get back to work, so there was this whole thing about so much time and energy, and everything was given to being functional and getting an income. So the first thing was job counseling. I thought I I don't really enjoy my job, and people have been great, but wouldn't it be better if I was in a job I loved and I looked mm -hmm. forward to going to? That would help my overall health. Yeah. And what did I want to do anyway? Right. That question. I was, I, I had taken jobs I had been trained for, or just out of curiosity or desperation, all different reasons, but not really that this is what I'm here on this planet to do. This is what I was made for. I wanted to start looking for that. So I got job counseling. 
partially for health reasons, but partially just for the internal story of this is changing my life and I want to get to my life. So what is it? And the two things that popped up with that were arts and mission, which resonated quite deeply with me because that was my inner core. And so that set me on a path to find another job that was in a design firm, which I absolutely loved. I felt like I found my people. I flourished in that job. I created it, the position, and proposed it to a company I wanted to work for. So it was really ideally suited for me. Yeah. So that took a lot of the edge off on the pain. And then simultaneously, involvement in my church, I was working with international communities. And the opportunity came up to work at a camp in France, a Christian camp in France through my church. And when I heard that, my immediate reaction was, oh, I could do that. I could take a, yeah, I can give you my two-week vacation to work at a camp in France. Why not? Yeah. But then I like felt immediately as if God was saying, will you? And then I thought, yeah, I would, but I can't because I'm physically disabled now. I had a rating now of disability. And how am I going to manage the pain? And it's a construction job. I can't do that. I don't have any money to do that. All these excuses bubbled up. And I recognized you're just giving excuses. Will you? And I thought, yeah, okay, (laughs) I will. And so I did that. Found myself on this construction site at a camp in France. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous, but there were there were some very inter- interesting ways that allowed me to get there, which I have in the book, but I won't go into right now. There I met people I fell in love with. We're still friends. We still see each other. And I also felt there that God was saying, I could use you here. Now, I wouldn't have recognized that as a call. Uh-huh. And you know, that that's another thing from the Catholic mindset, the idea of a call yeah. has to have thunder and lightning and neon right. stuff. My, my categories for call were not, hey, I could use you here. And then on the plane <laughs> ride home, I felt like he said, let's go. And then it, it felt like the plane shuddered and there was lightning and thunder, but there wasn't. It just <laughs> felt like, holy mackerel, I think that was a call. And, I love and that. Like an invitation to play, like uh-huh. at play in the fields of the Lord, that old film. Yeah. I thought, gosh, fun. I have this idea of missions. You're in a jungle and you're eating bugs. And it's not fun. <laughs> but I had so much fun with this group of people at the camp. And I thought... If I said no, I think I'd be missing out on something. I felt like my life would be diminished. I could say no. God was giving me the choice. Yeah. We could do this. Yeah. Come on, it'll be fun. Or, nah, I don't think so, which would have been fear-based. Yeah. And I, I just felt, yeah, that I'll live this boring life at home, even though it wasn't boring at the time. I just felt there would be a diminished aspect to my life by not going and doing that. Not- Let me ask you real fast. So we're at this let's go, which I love. Yeah, that's kind of a call. Did you feel like your fear of life was any different after the accident? So like, had you been called to do it before the accident versus after the accident? Was there a difference? Question. Let me think about that a second. I felt drawn to it without thinking I'd ever actually be asked to do it. Okay. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) And then when I was like, oh, wait a minute. But I did feel that draw to it. I can't remember if I felt that before the accident, but I, yes, I did because I had just worked at the Billy Graham crusade in Hartford in 1985. Mm. 
And I absolutely loved it. I encountered God in a way that I rarely do. And when he left, I had the accident like two or three days after that crusade. Oh, interesting. Yeah, very interesting timing. And I, I, on that car ride, I think I was thinking about that because ever since it ended, I didn't want it to end. I wanted to do that the rest of my life. And I thought, what would it be like? What if you joined? Right, right. (laughs) Okay, yeah, but what if I did? (laughs) I think you're going to give up. So I was thinking on that level. And then there were some earlier childhood experiences that, that fed into that. The one thing I'll mention was my uncle Leo was a missionary to Jamaica. He was a Jesuit priest and taught in a school in Jamaica. And I knew him very briefly. He died when I was about 10, nine or 10, Mm -hmm. but he had made a marked impression on me because he was so kind and gentle. And he took an interest in me as the only girl in a family of four boys at the time. I think it was four boys let's say at least three and the fourth was coming. He took interest in me where I was getting lost in the crowd. And he spoke about God in a way that I felt he knew God. And how did he know God? And what did God look like and sound like? The very childlike formation. What do you do for God? I'm a missionary. What's a missionary? It's someone who goes and talks about God. And I thought that must be the best job in the world. Yeah. So a lot of early influences. There, There was that draw, but yeah. All right. So you're on the plane and you hear, let's go. Yeah, let's go. So you go. I said, okay. <laughs> the plane lands and I'm saying, what are we doing? Do I go in and quit my job or what does it look like to let's right. go? As it turned out, I was called into the office by the partners and it was apparent there were going to be layoffs. Uh, they were probing me to see what my future plans were. Uh, and I said, yeah, you can lay off too. <laughs> Because the economy was bad. That's what happened. I was laid off. And and timing, the Sunday, I think I got home like a Thursday or Friday, the Sunday, the following Sunday when I went back to the church, the same couple that talked about the camp and invited volunteers to come over was there again. I froze in the doorway. Yes. <laughs> I said, oh boy, I'm in trouble. Right. So then After the service, I spoke to them again and said, I just got back from the camp and they handed me an application to apply for full time. I said, oh, my gosh, put it in the draw and said, this is moving way too fast, Lord, way too fast. Then I was laid off and I said, all right, pull it out of the draw, sign up. And I went. Funny how that all happens so easily, didn't it? It It seems when you look back, as I wrote this book, I was like, so that's what happened to my life. (laughs) At each stage, it was very confusing and fast or slow. Yeah, I bet. But in retrospect, I thought, what a choreography. What an absolute choreography. Yeah, right. Isn't that true? Yeah. So through your healing process, so you talked about it in the bio and in the notes about it, about forgiveness and some radical or some, I've forgotten the word now, but controversial ideas about this. So yeah, what's that yeah, about? yeah. The, I'll start slow and we'll build up to the whammy. The three <laughs> surprises for me in this whole process was that the healing took 12 years because again, my mindset was you ask and he answers and he gives you the thing you're asking for pretty quickly, not 12 years later. Right. <laughs> so why, like, 
so a lot of why questions followed the healing. Yeah, I bet. Uh, that have been answered. And so that that process surprised me. The second thing was I didn't expect to run into the demonic in a way. I had experiences perceiving something bad since childhood. Oh. Whether it was a situation or people or an area and they, sometimes you get a creepy feeling. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if this happens to everybody, but I'm very highly sensitive and perceptive. That's part of the artist wiring, but also part of the, just the wiring, the way God made me was right. to be highly sensitive. Yeah. And so I would pick up things that I didn't realize so much later. I, everybody doesn't, but right. I would kind of perceive things around me or I would get a, a real creepy feeling about somebody and instinctively move away from them or drawn to someone or something just felt very compelled to go in a certain direction. So I had that. And then I had some people I encountered that had very bizarre behaviors that I didn't, I wouldn't have identified it as anything except that's weird. But in France, going out of your culture, then you're subjected to a bombardment of newness (laughs) and I encountered some things that I couldn't, I didn't have a category for. And I began to suspect I was seeing something that the gospels described as demonic. And then I actually saw things that were right out of these stories that you read in the gospels or in acts. And I'd be like, whoa, I, I don't know what's demonic or not, but if that isn't, I don't know what is. And those things prepared me for the healing and deliverance I got by God pointing out, I, I want to be careful how I say this. I don't want to give spoilers away for the book, but I want to, and I don't want right. to freak people right. out. Right. I was freaked out. I will say I was freaked out, but that led me to some categories. It was like God was building categories for me to receive what he was going to give me. Hmm. And when I received it, I put two and two together. And so the three things that maybe my biggest takeaway from being healed was the takeaway was look at the physical things you have to take care of, see a medical doctor, get medical treatment and take that off the plate. Uh, It's like a diagnostic, right? right. Take the physical things off the plate if you can easily, quickly. Then you have emotional things to look at. Are you in depression? Actually, I am. I was in depression quite a bit through the accident. Okay. Well, is it a I'll uh, I'll hold that thought a minute. And then look at the spiritual. And this was a medical doctor teaching this at a workshop. Look Mm. at the spiritual, including the demonic. Wow. And that one got me because I hadn't heard people talk about that like that before in regards to healing. Right. And he said, if you don't, this is like a three-legged stool that doesn't have a leg attached and it's going to fall over and you may not get to your healing. So I was like, okay, that's a dose to think about. I was in a five-day conference. But that next day, I trusted that doctor so much. He gave such a good testimony of his own life. And he was a doctor and he was teaching clearly. And they had prayer lines at the end of the day. And I said, I'm going to go get prayer from him. And I went and I said, I had, at that point, I had three herniated discs in my neck. So no. I should say... The back situation was worsening through this whole period. Oh, okay. so that still from the accident. This was still from the accident. Okay. And I was back in the States to check with orthopedic people again. They were ready to fuse the vertebrae. Oh, in yeah. my neck. And 
it, it had to get worse. And I thought, oh, brother, it's so bad now. How could you're going to wait? But I, at the other extreme, I said, I left the office saying, no, I'm not getting that surgery. That's too radical. Oh. So I had three herniated discs. I went to him for prayer and said, I had this car accident, three herniated discs. Can you pray for me? And he said, the game changing question, did you forgive the person who hit you in the accident? Mm. Oh, wow. And I knew, Karen, in my soul of souls, I knew that was the key to the whole thing. And I, I started thinking back and I thought, I think I did, but I'm trying to remember. And he's like, take your time. And I said, I think I did. And he said, let's make sure. And he started praying. And I just, I, I was just kind of mulling it over. I think I did. Because that man who hit me called me the next day. He was so apologetic. He was distraught that he yeah. had done this. And he I'm... called, how am I? Do I need anything? And I said, no, I mean, I have help. And I don't know if I forgave him in the moment where I didn't really feel I had to forgive him. Right. So anyway, that prayer happened a few minutes and I went back to my seat and I thought, huh, that's the key. I don't know how or why, but that's the key. The next day I had two experiences. One was in the hallway where I had just come out of a workshop and everything is on healing. Everything. I don't even know what I'm doing there because I can't figure anything out. And I'm sick. <laughs> I'm sick too. Some skull. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> but as I'm walking to the cafeteria, I have this episode of like reliving a situation that was the lawyer's meeting. I was called in to meet with the, my lawyer was taking me to meet the other lawyer for the insurance company. Okay. And it was attack after attack on my character to defraud me of any claims. And the oh. loss, it was ugly. Oh my it gosh. Was ugly. And I got furious in the meeting and said to my lawyer, Do we have to stand for this? I, let's go. And he said, Sit down, <laughs> chill out. Oh this my gosh. Normal. And I, we had to take a break. I had to cool down. We had to go through it again. And I remember I was like feeling that fury again. And the Lord said, What did you do with that anger? And I realized I hadn't done a thing with it. It was living with me for okay. since that incident, which was before the healing, maybe six years before the healing. Wow. There's a verse in Ephesians that says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the enemy a foothold. Right. Wow. And I thought, wow, I've given, and that played in my mind. And I thought I've given that enemy six years Right. Not only to gain foothold, what else has he done? I went into dinner. I didn't say a word to anyone. I was like, wow. <laughs> that was a very visceral, almost out-of-body experience mm. in the hallway. So I was kind of recuperating, not probably not even eating very much. And then we went into the closing session, and I went back to that doctor. We had a fantastic experience of God's presence in that final session the worship leader would was bringing a song she had written during the workshop and it took the roof off the house almost it felt literally like that was happening and it was a heart cry from everybody in that room there was probably 400 people the words to the song were give me your heart god i want to know you and to hear 400 people crying that out people were there for healing for deliverance yeah. kinds yeah. of things and everybody's just crying out. And we had seen healings in that group over the previous three or four days. 
So there was hope. There was expectation. Everybody's crying out. I'm crying out. And it just came to a pitch. And I felt like God was physically touching me, just like praying, like putting hands on me and praying for me and moving through the crowd doing that. And this worship and praise is going on. And then, and we got to this point, I felt we're going to explode. If he doesn't withdraw, we're going to explode. I felt like an Indiana Jones movie. (laughs) That must have been very powerful. The most powerful experience I've ever had. And then that, that ended and everybody rushed forward for prayer. They had the prayer teams up front and I went with them and I looked for that doctor because I I thought I got to get to him. I went to him. He started praying for him. I said, Here's what happened since last night. You prayed for me. I believe forgiveness is the healing. Uh, God stopped me in the hallway earlier and told me about this anger. And so I had to confess that and forgive this man who, this lawyer. Yeah. And my own lawyer who then told me the settlement and it was way below what I was going to need financially. Oh. And I got mad at him because he dismissed me as someone who's trying to get money and I, again, I blew up and God said, what did you do with that anger? So I, it was a combination of anger and then forgiving those two lawyers. I told him all that. And I said, what else do I need to do? And he said, I think you did it all. So he starts praying. And that's when I had this very visceral, again, very physical, emotional, psychological experience of uh, something emerging out of me. And the only way I could describe it is spirits were coming out of my spine. And one was anger, one was sadness, and one was grief. Wow. And I was right back in the moment of that accident. This is where I want to say, I think you need to read the book because I go through it. I think it's easier to read and have a little distance from me telling the story than go into it. But it was such an overwhelming experience physically. And I felt like things were coming out that were some of the strongest feelings through the 12 years, the anger, the sadness, which I think now just telling you was the depression and grief, because I couldn't figure out what the difference was said between sadness and grief. I think it must've been the depression. Oh, I see. Now that I think about it. Yeah. I see. And those had been predominant emotions on the inside story and those left And then another wave started where I felt like the chiropractor was there adjusting my spine all the way up, realigning it. And you're like, I could feel myself getting physically straighter. And I fell over. I just fell over because I couldn't even take it. I was like, what is going on? What is going on? But that was my cognitive mind. My spirit knew I had just been healed and delivered. I knew that. I could not make my mind understand that. But Wow, that's powerful. So powerful. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we'll say, read the book to to know exactly <laughs> how that story is. But you like, sometimes you compare this journey to a treasure hunt and that you found yeah. the, obviously the treasure of healing, but can you talk about what else you might've found and how you, others can seek this treasure as well? Yeah, I would, I made a list of things and then I want to kind of tear up the list and say the real treasure was finding certain scriptures that spoke immediately, directly, and accurately to my situation, mm-hmm. whether it was at day 30 or two years or okay. eight. There were these words where I would get to a brick wall. Okay. I didn't know how to go on. And God would just somehow bring a verse 
through different means. And it was like, boom, there's your answer for right yeah. now. It's yeah. not the, yes, I'm going to heal you answer. It's this. And it, and it was like, okay. Okay. So hope comes back. Perseverance came back and I just keep going to the next wall. And I would right. say, I can't do this. I don't know what to do. I don't want to give up because if I give up, I'm disabled the rest of my life. Yeah. Right. Then this word would come. But I will say, in addition to that, that completely changed my entire life, that healing in Vermont. That was in Vermont. Okay. And I returned to France like the reformed smoker. I'm going to heal everybody. I know what to do now. We just got to look at these three areas and we'll figure it out. And I went back with some tools that I had gained from the different people I had learned from. And I, I wanted to just do that, focus on healing and deliverance. But I was getting some further emotional healings in that next year or two. And that was adding a lot of texture to my understanding of healing. Oh. And I wanted to work specifically then in interior healings, inner healings, we would call them. And I also, in doing that myself, going through that myself, all these creative gifts came out. And so I wanted to go into the arts now full-time. Uh -huh. And here was the merge of that job counseling, arts and mission. I want to do the arts in mission. That had not been spoken about too much before. And I had a hard time connecting with people, but it, but I did. And that revamped my entire ministry. I moved, I actually left France, moved back to the States to join a ministry that was doing that. Okay. And I could go on and on, but we'll do the 12 point list another day. <laughs> Talking about the Bible verses, I think it's when I need something, it's like when I need to know that there's, there is something from God on this. Yeah. The Bible is always good. Always has some kind of promise or some kind of yeah verse too. I love looking up the Bible promises and I mean, I have some on my wall. I'm not going to read it oh, right yeah. now, but just good. to remind me, because we get into right. ourselves, into the daily life and it's like, right. no, this is eternal. I'm I'm in the daily grind of something right now, but there's an eternal right. promise about this. Right, right. And Jesus talked about its treasure hidden in a field. It is hidden and it takes digging and work and allies and books and conferences. It takes everything to get yeah. that, yeah. get that thing and then it's the pearl of great price another story he told right yeah right yeah that's true that's true go ahead no i was just going to ask so how would you wrap this up for someone what is theirs if they're struggling with any of this and we haven't talked at all about your writing or your poetry or anything of that you were just getting to some of your artist work but what would you say to someone if they're dealing with something what would be their first steps to to yeah. find their healing yeah, I think I propose three things that I can provide. And then the overall is the endurance and the asking, asking God, what's his word for me? The connections, yeah, connected podcast, uh -huh. the connections. If you're suffering on any level, mental, emotional, physical, look at the connections between that affliction and any forgiveness issue in your life that you might have to do. Look at the connections between that affliction and any way the enemy might have gotten a foothold uh -huh. into, and try to close those doors and then persist. Like, do not give up. Do not give up. Find the hope. And I would say, look for it in the treasures that are hidden in the Bible 
And those words, the promises are there, but they also have to apply to you in your moment. Yeah. So look for them, dig for them, search them out. Don't just like, it's very hard to read the Bible, right? We can really get like, <laughs> oh, yeah. forget this, but don't give up on that. Yeah. Dig in there, get help from other people in YouTubes and all the resources we have. Find yeah. the help and don't give up. Don't okay. give up. And now on the website, there's a, I'm preparing, this is my next manuscript. I mentioned the hero's journey in Collision, the Collision okay. book. And so the hero's journey was a framework. It's actually a literary structure to frame a good story. And there's 12 stages for the hero to go through to get the object of his location to my life in retrospect. I just lived through my hero's journey and uh -huh. have the language to put right. to it. But the hero's journey gave me that language. And if you set yourself into a story, not a theological framework, much easier to access. It's much easier to access a story to God, a relational approach and say, where are we in the story? If you're suffering now, you're probably oh. in act one, right? Where you don't know what's going on. You have a lot of questions. You don't understand the connection between spirituality and physical healing or mental torment. These are all connections that are played up very well out of Hollywood in, in films. And True, books. right, right. So you get language like threshold guardians and opponents, allies, finding the elixir, return with the elixir. What do you have to bring back when you come back from your journey? How do you obtain that object of your desire? So if you will bear with me and wait for the next book, there's glimmers on the on the on my website and in collision of here's a way to frame this in the immediate i have a, a small booklet i put together on a forgiveness process that i see as necessary to really get to full and complete healing okay. forgiveness good i was going to ask you, you are, about forgiveness yeah yeah so if your readers or list and or listeners go to my instagram account they can get that for free that's a free downloadable booklet and it's only on your instagram it may be on my website my website's under construction i'm oh, going to okay. check my i'm actually working with my designer now to make that it should be available if you sign up for the email list if it's not you can go to the contact page on my website and send me a note and i'll send it to anyone who asks for it uh, the website is mythicmonastery.org and the instagram is at mythic underscore monastery okay Wonderful. So there, there's beginning steps in collision. I have some appendices in there that, that are some beginning ways to frame the whole thing in your mind. But I know when you're in screaming pain, you don't want the words you want to, you right. want something different. But that's there that's for true. someone who can. Yeah. yeah. Who can. If anyone wants to contact me directly, I would willingly give a half hour interview to see if there's something we can come up with as a plan or an answer. And that's through my website too. There's a contact page there. Nice. And I'll of course put these links on the show notes page on my podcast page as well. So mythicmonastery.org. Mythic Monastery. Yeah. I think that's a fantastic name. I love that. Yeah. Mythic for the stories and monastery, yeah. the inner work that it takes. Yeah. The inner work. I am very grateful to have you talk with me today. And I'm sure my listeners will be grateful at what's fascinating story fascinating work that you're doing and yeah going off to France like that when you did that must have been yeah. quite a journey so 
do you ever look back and say why to god do you ask god why what you know it, it's been many years since it all started right since the accident yeah. until now and you probably yeah. have looking back it's always easier to see what was laid out and what happened but yeah yeah it really came into sharp focus writing collision okay because i didn't really intend to write that book and it and when i brought the original manuscript came out of a letter I wrote to someone about the healing right after I had it because I wanted to record it in detail. I didn't uh, want to, okay. I didn't trust my memory to remember yeah. all the details. I sent this tiny little, it wasn't even a manuscript to a publisher and they said, oh yeah, we'll take this. The editor pushed me to go into childhood and see there had to be roots to this whole event. And uh, I was, no, it was an accident. Right. right. Random. Right. Now there's something more there. So she kept pushing me to dig. Oh. Doing that digging, I saw this kind of overarching story arc in my life in retrospect. Huh. And I, I ended many a writing day last, so that was in the pandemic, just sitting on the couch saying, wow, I had no idea there was so much meticulous placement of people and experiences and books and events. It, it In retrospect, it looks meticulously timed out. In the moment, it looked like chaos. And you'll talk about how we do this in your new book, right? How we can look at our own story? Yeah, yeah. Collision is the story. Your story. Yeah, the upcoming book will be to the audience, your story now. Yeah. Here's it. I'll do some little bridge between collision and this, and then say, now you enter in stage one is this. What, What is your stage one look like? That would be called ordinary world. What is your ordinary world like? Where is the dissatisfaction that's kind of nudging you to do something else? Or what's the event like an accident that catapults you into something else? And then, wow, okay. Stage two is, yeah, so I'm taking it stage by stage. You can get the framework for on my website. That's in the resources on the hero's journey. You can see the spiritual connections I make to the literary stages. Right, right. And when are you expecting to have the new manuscript then released? It, it sounds like it's still in the very beginning stages. So it's going to be a couple of years maybe for the No, next because month? I've taught this as a curriculum for 10 years. So the material is there. Okay. I'm just reshaping it from curriculum into book form. Okay. okay. And I am hoping by next year it'll be next out. Maybe year. a year from now it'll be out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'd love to go through that personal journey and... So definitely I'll check out the resources on the website and Instagram. Anyway, so before we wrap up for good, anything else you want everyone to know? Is there anything you think everyone should really know about life or about God or anything? Yeah, gosh, so many things I could yet say, but I'll boil it down to, I, I really like everyone who hears this to know God does want to heal. He is all about healing. He is trying to heal you. <laughs> he is trying to heal everybody. Yeah. And there's a war going on to prevent, to try mm. to keep you from that healing. And I don't want to put it into any nice phrases or slogans. It's war to me. It's all out war, but you have got God fighting on your behalf to try to get you to your healing. So go get it, find your healing. Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. That's what I found was my life, the one he intended, not the one I was creating for myself. So find the treasure 
it's a hero's journey, but you got God on your side yeah. and persevere. Don't give up. Even when everybody said these final pronouncements like disability, you have a disability. That's all the money you're getting. All these pronouncements, that's okay. Human wisdom, human answers, human whatever. Right. Let's right. go see what God says. Right. I love that. Yeah. God's yeah. on your side. Yeah. God's on your yeah, side. He that. wants you to be healed. He has he has a name, Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord who heals you. Mm-hmm. He sent Jesus who healed left and right. Mm-hmm. Not everybody, which right. is another whole subject. <laughs> but let him tell you. If he's not going to heal you, let him tell you why. Yeah. Yeah. His character is compassion. And he, yeah. Yeah. Get to know him. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. All right. Yeah. Again, thank you so much for being here. And I look forward to, again, all the resources that you have avail- available, your books and such. And I just mm-hmm. want to say goodbye to my listeners. Thank you for being here and hope to connect later. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. That's R-E-V-K-A-R-E-N Podcast.com. There you're going to find the tools for finding more meaning and happiness in your own life. Plus, if you have a story that you want to share with me, either on or off the air, be sure to look for that form. Make sure you follow me so you get notified when new episodes drop. And also, I'd love to connect with you in my Facebook group, connectedness with Rev Karen. So head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. I hope to see you there.